Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. In this series so far, we've pretty much been focusing on stuff that would be doctrinal truth. Now, that changed a little bit last Sunday uh, when I was gone. I'll, I'll mention that in a moment. But don't get too bored with doctrinal truth because sometimes people will do that. Uh, you see, doctrinal truth ought to be more than just something that bounces around in our head. It ought to be something that actually affects our choices and affects our, our lifestyle and uh, in, in the way we live. Uh, understanding there's absolute truth ought to affect the choices that we make. Understanding that there is a God ought to affect the choices that we make. Understanding that Jesus is God and understanding what he did for us, that he fulfilled prophecy. He went to the cross, died for us. He took his life back up on the third day, just like he said he would. All, all that stuff goes to, to show us that it ought to really, really matter that God loved us that much to where we allow what he says to be important and strategic enough in our lives to cause us to make the, the right choices. So a lot of that stuff was doctrinal truth that we've looked at. Last week I had to be gone because um, the uh, church rec- recovery church was launching and where I uh, worked part-time for a consultant with the Baptist State Convention, uh, that's one of the, the new churches that's launched here in, in the Hickory metro area, uh, they call it. And we, by the way, you ought to be well aware of this, on the Sunday that they came in to uh, help lead in worship, we gave them the offering that Sunday. Uh, and everything. So they had their first launch, public launch worship service. They've been doing Bible studies, but worship service last Sunday, uh, downtown Newton, they had about 77 people in attendance. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, so you keep praying for them and, uh, and, and everything, because you see, you, you've got a seed in with them because of what, uh, you have, have done. Uh, so we just need to continue to pray for them. Anyway, in my absence, uh, Dwayne Kirkendall, who uh, Dwayne is the director of missions for the Catawba Valley Association, he came and shared with you on the topic, why church? So at that point in time, we started getting a little bit away from just doctrinal stuff to where we understand there's a reason why the church ought to exist. Now, I know Dwayne uh, approached it uh, maybe different ways than what the video approached it. But in the video, if you're in a small group studying or if you're watching yourself in your home online at truelife.org, it told us three huge reasons why the, the church needs to exist. Because everybody we come in contact with needs help. Everybody we come in contact with needs hope. Everybody we come in contact with needs healing of some type in their, in their lives, spiritual healing to take place uh, in, in their lives. Today, we're also on a more practical basis to where we're applying the doctrinal stuff because our topic today is this. What is a, a Christian worldview? What is meant by a Christian worldview? And you'll understand clearly, hopefully, by the time we're through the message that everything I've just said, all the stuff we say we believe ought to matter enough to where it affects the way we live our our lives. Jesus said this one time. Jesus was asked a question about what is the most important commandment. And here's the way Jesus responded to that. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, I underline that and emphasize it because that's pretty much what we're talking about today. The way we think, the way we process things that we face in the world that we live in. 
the way our, our mindset is, it, it ought to also be something that we are, are loving God with. In other words, our mindset ought to be his mindset. Our viewpoint ought to be his viewpoint. That's why it's so important. The, the truth we believe as Christians should affect everything concerning how we view the world, our lives, our choices, our actions, and our attitudes. So what I want us to do this morning is consider the importance of a worldview. And I'm going to start out talking about just what one is, because it might be a buzzword you've heard, and you don't know exactly what's meant by it. Maybe you know pretty much what it is. Uh, but we're going to look at a worldview, and then we're going to look at a Christian worldview, and then we're going to ask ourselves, why in the world does it matter? I mean, why does it matter the worldview that we, that we have? So to start with this morning, what is a worldview? Just to kind of give us some definitions and understanding and look at some quotes and everything to where we understand what a worldview is. Uh, one definition I found was this. A worldview is the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. A worldview defines your beliefs about reality and your outlook on life. You might could put it like this. A worldview is the lens you look through to view the world culture and your own choices that you're making in life. Now, Webster's, depending on which one you looked at, uh, has different definitions uh, uh, on it, about three different ones. Uh, A worldview is a comprehensive conception or apprehension of the world. Uh, Second one was this, it's a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. And the most simple one is probably the one that maybe makes the most sense and, and the most basic definition that we might need to remember this morning is simply this, the way someone thinks about the world. That's kind of what a worldview is. The way you think about the world that you live in, the way you think about how you ought to respond to the world, the choices that, that you make. Let's look at some quotes from some, uh, some of them are, are Christian leaders and others are just, uh, you know, known, known people, authors and things like that. Uh, one said this, a worldview is any ideology, philosophy, theology, movement, or religion that provides an overarching approach to understanding God, the world, and man's relations to God and the world. And that's David Noble. He's an author of Understanding the Times. Charles Colson, most of you know who Chuck Colson is. Charles Colson said this, a worldview is a sum total of our beliefs about the world. That's a pretty good definition that you might want to kind of think about this morning as we talk about a worldview. Uh, it's our set of presuppositions about the basic makeup of the world, is what James Sire said. A worldview is a systematic way of looking at the world. It conditions how we interpret the meaning of daily life, and that's what R.C. Sproul said. A worldview is the comprehensive framework of one's basic beliefs about things. And Albert Walters, who's a emeritus professor of religion at Redeemer College in uh, Ontario, said that. Uh, another quote is this, a worldview... And this is, uh, I think, probably the last quote here, but this fellow here is an American physician and an author who eventually became a Christian. But he said, a worldview is a set of beliefs and practices that shape a person's approach to the most important issues in life. Through our worldview, we determine priorities, explain our relationship to God and fellow human beings, assess the meaning of events, and justify our actions. Our worldview even speaks to the most ordinary practices in everyday life, including the types of things we read and view, the types of entertainment and leisure activities we seek, our approach to work, and much more. So that's some basic definitions and some quotes about worldview. A worldview answers questions like these. A worldview would answer questions like, where do we come from? And I'm not going to answer those right now. We will in a moment. And we have been answering these questions already in this series. But a worldview will answer questions like that. Where do we come from? Where are we heading? 
What are our values, morality, answers to ethical questions? What is true or false, right or wrong? And and how do we decide? Is there such a thing as absolute truth or is it all subjective? See, the reason a worldview is important, whether you know it or not, subconscious or conscious, everyone has a worldview. Everybody does. They might try and minimize it and act like they don't, but everybody has some type of worldview. It comes out of a combination of all that you believe to be true. Maybe your environment, maybe how you were raised to a certain degree, and what you believe becomes the driving force behind every emotion, decision, or action. Whether you recognize that's happening or not, that's what a worldview will do to you. Therefore, it affects your response to every area of life, whether it be philosophy or science. Theology, anthropology, economics, laws, politics, art, social order, everything. It affects everything. Let me give you some examples. A two-year-old, their worldview is that they are the center of the universe. Amen? Now, I can say that with fresh experience. Matt and Jessica are out of town. Since Thursday night, we have had Drew and Paisley Ann. Paisley Ann is two years old. Uh, yesterday at one point, I told my wife, Becky, that Paisley Ann could tear a brick up if you give her a brick. In her worldview is it's all about her because that's just the way a two-year-old is. An atheist has a worldview of what? That there is no God. An evolutionist has a worldview of everything just came into existence on its own. So everybody has some type of worldview. So what is a Christian or a biblical worldview? Because when you hear those terms, those are really interchangeable terms. What is a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview? Well, in in truelife.org, if you watch the video this week, Dr. Bruce uh, Ashford, he's the dean of college at Southeastern Seminary. He will give a a broad interpretation, um, a sweeping kind of interpretation picture of a Christian worldview. Now, the the way he does it is not the way I'm going to do it this morning. The way he does it is correct. But I feel like we need to focus on more practical aspects of it. But what he says is basically this. A Christian worldview begins with creation. And that is that we believe that God created everything. Everything you see, everything in existence, God created it. It was all good when God created it. Then the second major scene or play you have on the worldview scene for Christians is the rebellion or the fall of of man into sin, to where man decided to disobey God, rebel against God as a result of it. It affects his relationship with God, his relationship with other people, even his relationship with himself, because he gets frustrated over his own choices and discouraged with himself in life. Redemption is the next big picture, and that's God's plan all along, where he sends his son as a human being to live a sinless, perfect life, what we cannot do, and he goes and he dies on the cross for our sins, and then takes his life back up on the third day to show that by faith in him, we can have everlasting life and be forgiven. And then the final picture is a new creation, to where everything is totally, completely, totally restored one day. That's the big picture worldview. So watch the video if you want to get more specifics. hope you're in a small group. If you're not, you can still join one. If not at home, you can watch the video and get the specifics more in detail of what he says in all those areas. 
But what I felt like today we needed to do, because while that's important, I really think there's a more basic issue having to do with worldview that we need to deal with that really affects us and is beating us up as individuals and as a church in the world we live in in this day and time. We need to consider something more focused than just looking at that big picture worldview. Now, before we jump there, let me give you a definition of a Christian worldview. It's pretty much like a worldview definition I gave you many ago, except it's from a Christian viewpoint. A Christian worldview, also called biblical worldview, refers to the framework of ideas and beliefs through which a Christian individual group or culture interprets the world and reacts with it. A Christian biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God. Now, that's the difference between the worldview that anyone else might have and the worldview that a Christian ought to have. When you believe the Bible is, is entirely true, then what you need to do is allow God's word to be the foundation of everything you say and do. Now, having said that, let's look at some scriptures that show us why that's true. This is probably one of the most familiar ones with you about Scripture. Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, Scripture's breathed out by God. God's the one that gave us the Scriptures. It's profitable. In other words, it's good for using for these purposes. It's profitable, good to use for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Paul also wrote this in Romans chapter 3. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. No one can judge God. They may try and judge God, but God eventually will prevail and his word will stand true. Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand for how long? Forever. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, every word of God proves true. He's a shield of those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. It says every word of God proves to be true. Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints of marrow. And then notice this, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. We, we need to allow God's Word to do that for us, to, to help us to, to discern what we're thinking, why we're thinking, what our, our intentions are in, in life. Matthew chapter 15, verse 6. Jesus looked at a religious group of people and he criticized them for this. He said, so for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the Word of God. And I would submit to you that's a danger, not just in that day and time by those Pharisees that lived in the day of Jesus. That's a danger that if we are not careful, we'll take the traditions of men or the traditions of our culture and we'll allow that to subvert the Word of God and allow that to be more important in our lives than what the Word of God is in, in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Paul so believed it, he suffered and he went to jail because of what he believed. I wonder what would happen really in our culture today if laws were to come into effect where all of a sudden... It is completely against the law to believe what we believe in and own a Bible and to stand for what we say we stand for. I wonder if we would be willing to suffer for it. Because Paul did. 
But even though he was in prison, he said the, the gospel wasn't bound because he was even winning the prison guards while he was there. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. That's future tense. For people who have been slain for the word of God. What kind of commitment level do we have to a Christian worldview? What what kind of commitment level do you have to, to the word of God? See, a Christian worldview ought to be the deciding factor in what we believe. A Christian worldview ought to be based upon God's word. In other words, we take seriously what God says in his word. That means that God's word should be the deciding factor in our worldview. God's word should be the deciding factor in things like this, how we view authorities, the the laws of the land, government, how we vote, our accepting or applying of God's viewpoint of current issues that are hot point buttons in the world that we live in today, such as the definition of marriage or homosexuality or abortion or adultery. Our our viewpoint as Christians should be what God says about it, not what the government says, not what Hollywood says, not what conventional wisdom says, not what our culture is promoting in this day and time. If you're a Christian, your worldview should be based upon what God says about any issue that comes up. Not what someone else may say. We can make it so lukewarm and we can make it so right and, 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 and look like everything's just, just, you know, just nice because we know these are good people and, and yeah, they might be doing what's wrong, but they seem to be good people and things like that. And we get sucked in by what the world is trying to offer when we look at those, those, those issues and things. People want to change the status of adultery to like a one-night stand or just having a fling. I'm sorry, adultery is much more serious than that. Because it destroys lives and it, it, it destroys hearts. It's a poor reflection, especially for a Christian, when we consider that marriage is supposed to be a picture of Jesus and the church. I hadn't necessarily planned on saying it wasn't in my notes, and I told the men in our breakfast, Lynn, Lynn Crump's small group, and some of the men in, in, in it gets together on Friday mornings when I can. I try and meet with them, and I had planned on trying to stay away from this, but I can't, I don't think. There's a new Campbell Soup advertisement. Have you seen it this week? See, the new Star Wars movies come out. So they're kind of trying to promote that. They have Campbell Soup cans out with pictures of Star Wars on it. And it starts out with the advertisement of a guy with a beard sitting at a table feeding a little boy soup. And he's saying, I am your father. And then it starts to pull back and there's another man at the table. And the man says, no, I am your father. You get the implication of it? I think I just stopped buying Kimball's soup. I think I have. And then it finishes out by saying, for real, real life, trying to sell to our culture that that is appropriate, real life. But that is not what the Bible says. See, a worldview answers those worldview questions I brought up a minute ago like this. Where do we come from? The answer is from a Christian worldview, the creator God. That's where we came from. Where are we heading? Same answer, the creator God. Whether you like it or not, that's where you're going to wind up. 
And, and he's going to be the all-powerful, almighty judge. What are our values? Morality. Answers to ethical questions. How should we answer those? Well, for us as Christians, that'll be what the Bible says, what God thinks, what would Jesus do? What is true and false and how do we decide it? It ought to be based on biblical truth. Is truth absolute or subjective? God's truth ought to be our absolute truth. So we looked at what a worldview is. We've looked at what a Christian worldview should be. I want to close by asking the question, why, why should it matter? Why does it matter? Why does it matter what kind of worldview you have? Why, why does a Christian or biblical worldview matter? See, for Christians, having a biblical or Christian worldview is so strategic because what we believe should affect how we live. Now, please don't misunderstand the intent of this message. We are not saved by works, amen? We're saved by God's grace. We don't deserve it. We're saved by faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. But that does not mean we say, I'm saved on my way to heaven. Now I can live any way I want to live. Our viewpoint as Christians, having a biblical or Christian worldview, ought to affect how we live, how we make our decisions, how we view the world around us. It should affect everything about our lives. A Christian and biblical viewpoint should do that. What God said and the fact that God is good and God made everything good, we need to factor into a Christian's worldview. I think I skipped over that earlier, but in, in the video that, that you watch this week, Dr. Asher also will point out this. In the creation story, there, there are two things that are re- mentioned repeated, repeatedly, two phrases. One is, one is this, that, that uh, talking about how, how God made the world. God said, God spoke this into existence. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be this. God said, let there be that. Repeatedly in the creation narrative. And also repeatedly you find these two words. Then God said it is good. So my argument is for Christians, our worldview ought to be greatly impacted by the fact that of what God said. <laughs> and the fact that God is a good God and what he creates is good. You understand that? What God said ought to matter. It is extremely important in creation, and it should be extremely important in our lives. What God said is important, and it ought to matter. And we ought to recognize what God said is good. Instead of trying to make it sound like it's narrow-minded, negative, or whatever, what God said is good, and he said it for a reason, and he said it for a purpose, and we need to understand that. What God said is good. What God said matters. See, someone with a biblical review believes his primary reason for existence is to love, honor, and serve God. But regrettably, here's what's happening. We're living more and more and more and more in a culture to where it's getting watered down and where that is being minimized to where even believers, people that come to church every week, have completely different viewpoints than God has on certain issues. That's because we have allowed a biblical worldview to be so diluted and minimized in in our world. A lot of people refer to it as a dualistic society or dualistic mindset or dualistic culture. And what has happened over the years is, is that people have so compartmentalized faith in everything else. 
that they'll fit everything underneath either the sacred or the secular. Anything having to do with going to church, reading your Bible, praying, missions, whatever it might be, the churchy sound of stuff, people park that underneath the sacred. And then anything else, government, entertainment, what you kind of do in your own choices, the way you want to live your life, everything else they want to come over, they want to park that underneath the secular. And what that leads to is that we live in a culture where even Christians have split vision or split personalities. When it comes to what we believe and how we act and how we live our lives, we have a split vision and a split personality. My suggestion to you is this. <laughs> we need to replace that sinister dualism with a biblical-based worldview because doing so will do this for us. It will offer a fresh, motivating vision of wholeness and complete direction in your life. If we will have a biblical worldview, it will do this for us. It brings the totality of life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and provides clarity for living where everything is either obedience or disobedience to God. If we would think about that and consider it in that way, it would help clarify the choices that we make in life. But you see, here's our problem. We live in a fallen, selfish, self-centered world. Amen? And since we live in that type of world, our worldview is influenced by ideals that seductively appeal to our flesh and kind of creep in sometimes, maybe without us even knowing that it's taken place. It's happened gradually through our culture. A little bit now, a little bit later, a little bit through this TV program, a little bit through this movie, a little bit through this political agenda, a little bit through this choice that you've made in your life to where all of a sudden over a period of time the whole worldview of people that know Christ and ought to live for Christ is starting to change without them even knowing it. Have you ever heard the illustration about putting a frog in boiling water before? You know what happens if you drop a frog in boiling water? It'll jump out right away because it knows, ouch, that hurts. But if you put that same frog in cool water and you gradually heat it, it gets comfortable until all of a sudden it's too late. And the effect of the heat has already done its work. I'm afraid that's what's happening to us in our culture. You see, if, if, if everything had been thrown in your face all at one time, then as Christians, we might say, no, we're not, that's completely wrong. We know the Bible says that's completely wrong. But when we are acclimated to it over years and years and years in a gradual way, all of a sudden we have been impacted by it and our worldview has been ruined by a world instead of by having a Christian worldview gradually before we even know what's happened. Do you agree with me? Do you think that might be what's happening? See, the problem is this. A non-biblical worldview isn't just sitting on a bookshelf somewhere in a library for someone to go check out and read and be impacted by it. We're being hit by it 24-7. By everything we watch, by everything we hear, we're being hit by a non-biblical worldview. Bombarding us constantly from television, film, music, newspapers, magazines, books, education, peer pressure, the internet, whatever. Here's why. Here's why having a Christian worldview matters. Barna Research 
He's been doing a lot of, especially Christian-based type research uh, since 1984. This blows me away because the stats I'm about to share with you is 2003. I'm thinking, man, if that's 2003, what is it today? Because I doubt it's got better, do you? In a survey that in 2003 determined that only 4% of Americans had a biblical worldview. So when he decided to go in instead, talk to born-again believers in America, the results were a dismal 9%. In other words, only 9% of the Christians that were interviewed had a biblical worldview. Does that sound scary to you? Isn't that sad? That somehow we have misdiscipline our culture, our, our day, our, our, our children, our youth, our, our, our adults in churches to where people don't even understand the way they ought to answer very, very important questions. He went on in, in the survey and said this. He said, although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, our research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. According to Barna's research, about half of all adults, 54%, claim they make their moral choices on the basis of specific principles or standards in which they believe. By the way, that doesn't mean it's biblical. That's only saying 54% say I've got some kind of standard I used to go by. Other common means of making moral decisions include doing what feels right or comfortable, 24%. Doing whatever makes most people happier causes the least conflict. That's what 9% said. That's how they make their decisions and their choices. Pursuing whatever produces the most positive outcomes for the individual, for that person, whether they have to lie or whatever about it, as long as it gives the right outcome for them, that's... What 7% said that they were willing to do. You ready to take Barna's poll questions real quick? Here's some of them. Answer these to yourself. Does absolute moral truth exist? Answer that to yourself or write it down there in your notes. Yes or no? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Yes or no? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Yes or no? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Yes or no? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Yes or no? Is Satan real? Yes or no? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Yes or no? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Yes or no? Now here's the results. Only and if only you answer yes to every one of those questions, do you have what is considered a complete Christian biblical worldview? If you answered yes to those questions, only 9% of born-again believers did. 
But what's more important is this. It's not just how you answered it right then. It's how you answer it with the way you live. Because we've got a world that's watching. And just answering it with a yes, that's important, but you need to add power to it and teeth to it in your own life by allowing your life to show that you believe those things. I want to give you a couple of examples, and then we're going to move on to maybe how we can help guard our mindset just a little bit before we close. But I want to give you a couple of examples to think about. First Thessalonians 4, 2 through 8. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Some translations say that you flee from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand, and solemnly, solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, think about this. Probably everyone here, if I were to ask you a question this morning and say, how many of you would agree that that passage of Scripture teaches that we ought to flee sexual immorality? Probably almost everyone here would raise your hand and say, that's what it said. I believe that's what it says. If we really believe it, why is the divorce rate no different for the church than the rest of the world? Why do Christians constantly make immoral choices look at things they shouldn't look at that leads to choices and actions in their lives that they shouldn't make when God said to flee from it instead we live in a culture right in the church where it looks like people are fleeing to it instead of away from it you see if we really believe that's what God says it ought to affect the way that we live the choices that we make when it comes to our sexual choices. And a lot of times I think we're just qualified like this. Well it was just a weak moment. I didn't really mean for it to happen. And maybe that could be the truth sometimes, but I'm afraid it might be this. It might be that it happened much earlier over a period of time with seductive lies from a sexualized society that has impacted us over a period of time where we make those choices. I understand in a weak moment it might happen, but I'm just saying, guys, think about this. If we really believe that's what God says, and we really believe God cares about what we do, and we love Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for us, when it comes down to that, to that moment of pulling the trigger on that wrong action, we ought to say, I can't do this because Jesus loved me. He died for me. God says it's wrong. It's going to hurt other people. I can't do it. And that ought to be where we make our choice. Let me give you another example. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If I were to ask you, like I said a moment ago about that passage in 1 Thessalonians, if I were to ask you today to vote and raise your hand and say, I believe that's a great commission. I believe that's what Jesus told us we were to do. We're to be making disciples. We're to be telling others. If we really believe that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and no one gets to the Father except through him, and that means everyone that does not go to the Father through him misses heaven and spends all eternity in a place called hell. If we really, really, really believe believe that more than just with our heads, then can I ask you a question? When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Because you see, if we really, really believe that, that means that the only hope, the only chance people have is Jesus. And that means we, we better get busy. It's one thing to believe something, it's another thing to act upon it. And I think we really prove what we believe better when we act upon it. Amen? That we really, really, really believe that that's the truth. And if we fail to act upon it, it causes us to give a confused and misleading testimony to people around us. So I'm going to give you some points real quick that might can help you guard your Christian biblical viewpoint just by reading some scriptures and then we're done. Already several verses, I think, that gives us some information, some content that can help us guard a Christian worldview. Help us guard our minds and our hearts. Colossians, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. See, walk in him. You're supposed to be doing it. It's supposed to matter. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, God, here it is. We belong to you. We're supposed to do what you want us to do. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But you see, that's not true for us if you know Christ as your Savior. Because it goes on and says, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We can't correct God. We can't say, God, you're you're wrong about this. Gay marriage stuff. You're, you're, you're wrong, God. That's just old hat. We, you see, we can't correct God. Instead, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And think about this. And man, if we could learn how to apply this and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You want to know how much trouble that would save me in my life and you in your life if every time we had a thought we would stop and take it captive to Christ and say, is that of God or not? Before we make that action, before we take that step, before we pull the trigger on that decision, 
Proverbs 4, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. What we put in is what's going to spring forth an issue and flood throughout our life. That's why it's so important that we have a Christian worldview. Jeff Baldwin, who's at the Texas-based Worldview Academy, said this, Worldview is like an invisible pair of eyeglasses. Glasses you put on to help you see reality clearly. If you choose the right pair of glasses, you can see everything vividly and can behave in sync with the real world. But if you choose the wrong pair of glasses, you may find yourself in a worse plight than a blind man, thinking you see clearly when in reality your vision is really distorted. If you ever accidentally grabbed up the wrong pair of glasses and put them on somebody else's glasses, so I'm a whole lot more powerful than what you needed. Couldn't see very well, could you? That's our problem as Christians. We've put on the wrong pair of glasses in our world. And we're trying to see the world the way the world wants us to see the world. Trying to see the world through their lens instead of seeing it through God's lens. Instead of seeing it through the Bible. A worldview ought to be like a set of lenses that either help or harm our vision in the way we perceive the world around us. So how do you choose the right glasses? You choose the right glasses to start with by choosing Christ as your Savior. Because you don't have the capacity to understand, to discern the things that God wants you to without knowing Christ as your Savior. That's the first step. To putting on the right pair of glasses, to having a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. The first step is believing Christ as your Savior. The next step would be to think and act like Jesus. You remember the what would Jesus do bracelets that got so popular a few years ago? I mean, that's good. But maybe there needs to be one that says, what would Jesus think? Because you see, what Jesus thinks impacted what he did. And what we think impacts what we do. And that's why it's so important that we have a biblical worldview. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let's pray. God, I, that I pray that you wake us up as individual Christians and as the church. Help guard our hearts and our minds. Help us to use your word to try the spirits. Help us to bring every thought captive, every thought that crosses our minds captive to you. Father, we're living in a world that that doesn't happen, in churches where that doesn't happen. We're being inundated from every side by a worldview that is different than yours. That many times is completely opposite from what you say. Father, I pray you help us as Christians to make commitments to think like you, to think like Jesus. To make our decisions, to view our world around us. Based upon what you have said and what your will is and not the influences of our culture. Lord, I pray if there's someone in this place this morning that's never made the first step, and that's why they're lost in the culture, that's why they can't make the right decisions, they can't understand things spiritually because they don't have you in their life. 
I, I pray you help them to say yes to Jesus. To admit they're messed up, to admit that they've sinned, to admit they can't fix themselves, and to understand that Jesus died on the cross for them. So through faith in Him, He can be their way, their truth, and their life. And that He's the only way they can get to the Father. Father, help us as Christians to get serious about what you say. You tell us to make disciples. Compel us to do that. You tell us to flee sexual immorality. Compel us to do that. Lord, there's just two examples of many, many, many things that you give us guidance and that you tell us is your will. Help us to bring ourselves underneath the authority of your will and your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we have this time of invitation. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I suggest try and put on the right pair of glasses today. The first step is trusting in Him. If you do know Him, the message is really more for you than people that don't know Him this morning. I'll be honest with you, this message beat me up a little bit this week. You guys listened to it for 45 minutes or so. I lived with it all week. I'm heartbroken over our culture and over the church and over my own choices many times. We need, the world needs for us have a Christian biblical worldview. So I suggest during this time, maybe you slip into the altar up here at the front, pray and say, God, forgive me. God, help me. Help us as the church to have your view. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.